Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for your presence among us. We pray that your presence in truth and love will impact our relationships, will allow us to treat one another with respect and with joy. Bless us this day as we think about your love and your sovereignty in the midst of our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'm going to do my best to move through this material, but there's a lot of it today, and it's really, really good stuff. So I want to encourage you to hold on to your bulletin uh, and make sure you note the references that we're looking at today so that if necessary, when you go home, you can go back and look at them again uh, and, and think about the, just the, the beauty of God's plan for his people. In Ephesians, uh, in the early part of our reading today, we are told that the, the reason God has, has gifted and put this, this leadership of gifts in the midst of his people is to equip them for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Understand that God blesses us so that we can strengthen and build up this body of Christ, this community of faith that we celebrate together. Our intentions in connecting with one another, in sharing with one another, in arguing together even over where we should go or what the scripture teaches uh, is to be motivated and to bear fruit by building us up as a body of Christ. We're going to see that more and more as we move through these lessons today. And there's this beautiful but very, very hard text in verse uh, 15 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. We are called to speak the truth in love. Now, that's as opposed to not speaking the truth in love. Have any of you ever not spoken the truth in love? Let me give you a little instance. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. It's also as opposed to speaking the truth not in love. Has anybody ever been clubbed over the head with the truth? Do you have that tendency yourself? No hands. You know, a lot of times when we think we're right and we think the other person is wrong, especially we men, but really all of us, we can get aggressive in our handling of the truth. We want love to be at the center of how we conduct ourselves as the people of God together in this place. Even if correction is needed, even if truth needs to shine the light on some darkness, some brokenness, some sin, we want to do it in a spirit of love. Listen to now in verse 16. It says this, He makes the whole body fit together 
perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts to grow you are here you are blessed for a reason a part of the reason that God is blessing your life with gifts, with abilities, with insights, with all kinds of different resources is so that you can build up others in the body of Christ around you. And for those of you who love to do it for yourself, that independent streak, you know what I'm talking about, Understand that God has put this whole community around you to help build you up. So don't deny them the opportunity to serve you. Accept that service in joy and in love and in gratitude, knowing that you're going to have many opportunities where you're going to be able to do likewise to others in the community with the gifts you have understand that that's God's desire so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do you get that? Do you understand that you are blessed by God so that you can be a part of making this community stronger and healthier. If you withdraw, we all lose. If you engage with aggressiveness or anger or reactivity, we all lose. But if we use the gifts of God and speak the truth in love, our whole body as a community of faith get stronger and better. And those of you that have been around St. Timothy's for a while know the joy of what that means because you've been on that journey. You've already experienced how that mutual blessing has been poured out into your life. Then as we move to the Gospel of Matthew, and especially as we move to that place where it talks about how we are supposed to deal with conflict. I want to make sure we very quickly understand the context of Matthew 15. It starts by reminding us that uh, the one who is greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. It, It reminds us of the need for humility in our acts of service together. Then it talks about woe to the one who creates a stumbling block for the other. Scary. Then it says, do not despise the little ones. Now, little ones. What are little ones? I mean, I think we can absolutely understand the little ones are the young people who are watching how we act to learn how they should act. But we might also understand little ones to be a little, if you will, in the place of influence, people who are marginalized in some way, whose whose voices have been reduced in the community. Be extra careful in how we handle those who are on the fringes, on the margins of our community. It's a, it's a, 
a theme throughout Scripture. It's a reminder throughout, especially the many of the prophets of the Old Testament. Be careful how you treat the widow, the orphan, the stranger, those who have lost power in community. Be extra careful that you use your gifts, your abilities, your blessings from God to build them up. And then it comes to this question of conflict. If your brother or sister sins against you, go to your friend and tell them all about it. Go to your Bible study or your girl group and complain all about them. Go home and argue with your wife or your husband and tell them what an idiot this person was. No. No. Go to that person privately one-on-one, and share your concern. And I, I want you to understand something here based on the humility of the earlier part of the chapter. One of the things that might happen when you go to that person one-on-one to discuss your concern, you, I know you're going to have a hard time believing this, but I've experienced it so many times, I'm telling you it's true. Sometimes what you find out is you misunderstood Sometimes you find out that you interpreted what was being said or done in a way that they never intended. And so the reconciliation that happens is not necessarily going to be them telling you they're sorry for whatever you brought. It may in fact be you're saying, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I'm so glad now to understand and know your heart and your intent. But if the sin remains and the difference remains, we still got another task to do. We don't just go home and go, oh, well, I tried. No, now we need to find a couple of other people. By the way, a couple of other people who are also witnesses. That is, who also understand what happened. Who also have a perspective on what's happening. And then we go and have that conversation. Now, we're just talking four people here. We're not talking about, you know, the whole grow group. We're not talking about your whole Bible study. We're just saying we need to maybe put a little more emphasis on the, the problem that is being created by whatever it does was done, the hurt that is being caused, the, the distance that is happening in the relationship so that we can reconcile. If that doesn't work, they say, take it to the church. And if that doesn't they work, they say, treat them as a tax collector and sinner. Now, Here's my problem with that last step. Here's my problem with treat them as a tax collector and sinner. You can understand that in two ways. Uh, uh, From the perspective of the Jewish elite, if you will, in the the New Testament times, developed, you know, I think through the Old Testament times, uh, uh, basically it's like stay away from those people. They're unclean. Don't go near them. Don't have anything to do with them. That would be one way you could interpret that text. Essentially, put them out of the community. If they're they're not building up the body of Christ, if they're tearing down the body of Christ, put them out of the community. 
Ooh, that's rough stuff. And in fact, Paul did that in 1 Corinthians with a gentleman who refused, shouldn't call him a gentleman, with a, with a man who refused to obey, repent. It's also interesting that in 2 Corinthians, there's a, 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 an, an inference to that that says, okay, he's been out long enough, go, go reconcile. Because the other way we can understand tax collectors and sinners is, yes, they're on the outside, so do whatever you can to bring them in. Jesus called tax collectors and sinners to be his apostles. Jesus loved those who were outside and, and treated them with incredible dignity and love so that they could be brought back in. But you don't treat them as teachers. You don't treat them as influencers in their unrepentant state. Does that make sense? Well, let's move on. So we, again, we see the, the rhythm, the pattern. It's, that's really small. Uh, you know, there's a first step is the personal appeal. The second stage is a private appeal with just a few per people. And then the third stage is a public appeal. And I want to tell you how often this happens in the church. Rarely. Rarely do God's people here in this place have the courage to do one-on-one before they've talked about it to somebody else. Rarely do they have the perseverance to follow up with a couple of other people, keeping the matter still quiet, but still dealing with it. And rarely do they believe in the matter strong enough that they're going to bring it to the community to be dealt with, and instead they're just going to let it go. All of which hurts the community of faith. But I also want to remind you of the context again. I want to remind you of where Matthew 15 came from and where it goes. It comes from that place of humility. It comes from that place of concern for those who are less powerful in our midst. And it ends in this promise, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name. Hmm, when did that happen? Through the whole process. When you go one-on-one, that's two. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name. When you go with two or three witnesses, that's more than three where God is present. God is present with us as we live out this challenge of being a community of God's people, living through the realities of our personalities, the realities of our struggles. God is present with us. And then the text moves to this beautiful, beautiful understanding of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see seven primary feasts throughout the year. And as we move through those feasts, three of them are supposedly feasts in which the males, 
presumably with their families, make the journey to the place of God determines, Jerusalem, generally speaking, the temple, generally. And the, the first one is Passover. The second one is Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, and presumably after the incoming first harvest. And then the third one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was referred to in our reading today. The Feast of Tabernacles is a week-long party. You, multiple times in our text it says this, and when you come together, come together joyfully, celebrating the provision of God. It happens after the, the fall harvest, when you know the, the, the barns are full, the resources are strong. Come together and celebrate with God's people. As a matter of fact, the text says, invite all those other people too. You know, the slaves, the widows, the orphans, all those people, not just your immediate family, invite all those other people to come along with you and party together. Celebrate the, inhab- the habitation, the dwelling of God. But before I get to that, let me, let me just point something out. These three middle ones in that red box are Rosh Hashanah, Jewish New Year, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, followed by the Feast of Tabernacles, this seven-day celebration of dwelling with God. Yom Kippur immediately precedes the Feast of Tabernacles. The Day of Atonement immediately precedes the week of celebration of God's people together. Are you hearing me? Are you picking up on this? Reconciliation between God and his people. Reconciliation between the, his people and one another. That's what atonement is all about. It's atoning for the sins that separate us, both from God and one another. And at, as a result of that atonement, now we come together to celebrate the habitation of God, to celebrate that God is in the midst of his people. Is this a special place to be? You know it is. Why? Because God is here. Because God is here with the power to reconcile, with the power to set us free so that we can celebrate together. I had a mom say to me a couple of years ago, as Mother's Day was coming, that she was glad that her children were not coming to celebrate Mother's Day because they couldn't get along. That's heartbreaking. I've been told by many members over the years who have left the churches I serve because they couldn't get along with another member. That was heartbreaking. If we 
could experience the presence and the power of God to weave us together as a community of faith so we can experience the atonement, the forgiveness for us and through us for others. Then we can let the party begin. Then we can celebrate what God is doing in the midst of us. Then we can be free to fully use our gifts to bless each other. Then we never have the inkling, well, they don't deserve my time. Or, well, I don't deserve their time. I don't deserve their help. Please don't trouble yourself by bringing me a meal when I'm sick. Please don't trouble yourself by visiting me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God calls us to be his people to celebrate. This is, a, this is an image of, of the tabernacle, the, the booth. And, and it's, it's typically made of, of uh, you know, f- f- sort of raw wood. Uh, it's a lighter structure, but then it gets decorated. Uh, it gets decorated with, with fruit around the top. It, 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 it's in the, in the midst of the, of the scarcity that sometimes is a part of our life. We recognize the provision of God that comes in the harvest that came for the people of God as they traveled in the wilderness. And we celebrate the gifts of God poured into our community. We are called... To be a a kingdom that feasts together as the people of God. That celebrate together. We are the family of God. Now, newsflash. Mark your calendars. June 26th. Sunday, June 26th. St. Timothy's is going to celebrate together. Following our worship service. Our 60 years as a congregation. We're going to have a lunch and a party and a picnic in Fellowship Hall. And out in front, we're going to have stuff for kids to do. We're going to have places where we hope adults can talk in relative quiet as they celebrate and feast together the goodness of God. Marilyn loves to say, and I hope we will live out, celebrate the good stuff, the presence of of the living God at work in our community, helping us to love and build one another up in Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please stand.